from Prasad. That's the way to do it. Just hammered for four. He comes right back and uproots his off stump. Hello all you cricketing tragics out there and welcome to another episode of the Uprooted Stumps Podcast. Kohli drives through the covers. It's into the fence like a tracer bullet. I'm Arjun. And I'm Gopal. And we are your hosts, coming to you from London with guests from all over the world and talking about what's going on in cricket. So the India-South Africa Test Series has just finished. Um, India have lost that Test Series after a good beginning. Uh, and the one-dayers are going on. And to talk about this series, we've got Gopal, as usual, joining me. Hey, Gopal. Hello, hello. And uh, we have a special guest, uh, South Africa fan, Rob Jordan. Welcome back to the podcast, Rob. Hey, Arjun. Lovely to be on again. Always a pleasure. Good stuff. So let's start talking about the test matches first, shall we? So, you know, Arjun, this is a reminder to all our listeners that uh, we've completed one full year. Uh, we started this podcast uh, in Jan of or December of 2020, Jan of 2021. So... This is effectively season two, episode one. Yep. Yep. Congratulations to us. And well thank done, you everyone yes. for listening. And all of you will be happy to note that uh, we've also started learning from our mistakes uh, recording this show. So we just did a previous episode with Rob before this recording. And we did the entire episode for the whole of 90 minutes. And at the end of it, we're all high-fiving each other. And then Arjun tells us... Uh, that we forgot to hit record. <laughs> yeah, that's because it was 90 minutes. We didn't want to put an episode that long. So let's exactly. see how short we are now. Uh, the test series. I mean, uh, even though there were no fireworks between the players, uh, it was a very exciting and well-fought series. Yeah, I think I think this was a so interesting to watch because of uh, so many things. Like right from the selections, some of the intriguing choices and then, you know, the miss in the first match of uh, Virat Kohli, KL Rahul taking charge um, to the performance of some people who somehow just tend to do well, like Shardul Thakur. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, I think what was nice about it was it was complete contrast to the Ashes. It was a very good advertisement yeah. for um, Test cricket as a whole, and like like I just said, some very interesting um, selection choices came off. Like Marco Janssen for South Africa was a good example. Yeah, I mean he's a superstar, right, Rob? What, what do you think the outlook for him is in the next few years? I'm just hoping they don't overload him because uh, I feel like that's what happened with Rabada. Uh, he went. He, he's still playing amazingly, but I just feel like if we can if we can keep him going at a steady tempo, he'll be a world beater. He will be. Does that mean no T20s for him? He doesn't play the IPL. He stays protected. Is that what you're referring? I I have no problem with players going to the IPL, but I feel like we've gotten to a point with the IPL where uh, international teams need to work a little bit with those franchise crickets. Uh, just to manage manage workloads, but yeah, I would I would like to see him focus on test matches for the minute. Also, how important was this win for South Africa? It just seems like uh, even in the World Cup, uh, Quinton pulls off some controversy, and South Africa rally around Temba and do really well. Uh, India start yelling at their favorite broadcaster, Super Sport, and uh, the South African boys say, "Hey, that's that's 
that's a step too far and start uh, rallying together and start beating India. And uh, Quinton says, I'm going to quit uh, test cricket. And then, so uh, so it, it just seems like um, South Africa likes a bit of uh, controversy or so, sort of having their backs against the wall to fight back. Yeah, I think that's uh, South Africa's strong point, uh, definitely. Being able to kind of fight back from whatever situation they're in. They've always been, in, in my very unbiased opinion, the best team to come out of a struggle. Um, oh, wait, sorry, uh, uh, Rob. Uh, uh, 1990, South Africa is calling. And uh, they're saying, no, we, we don't buy this. And uh, I'm hearing someone saying choke, choke. What's the word? Oh, yeah, they, they are saying the word choke. Can't say that. I mean, that's incredibly <laughs> rude, that. first of all. But second of all, the difference was that we were never the underdogs. South Africa is a much better team when we're an underdog team. When we're favorites, we're always going to fail. So, uh, Rob, let me, Rob, let me ask you: who, who would you say is the um, special, let's say, find or or someone who's surprised you in a positive way from the South African side in this series? Um, I would say Keegan Peterson, to be honest. So, I've not really taken too much of an interest in South African domestic cricket for the last couple of years, being in uh, being in the UK. But uh, I've I've known about him for a couple of years now, and honestly, I I thought he was going to be a decent player, but he just looked the most solid batsman of both teams out there. Like every time he came out to the uh, wicked even when he didn't score that many runs he just looked so good so for me he was kind of the find and there's something unique about him like he he is solid and he looks solid but at the same time he doesn't look solid as well which is which is kind of an irony i feel i feel like there's something in his technique which you know is a bit odd he plays really forward but he has i think that mental strength that uh, ability to play one ball if he misses the ball or if, or if it almost nicks him or even if he's dropped he'll get back he won't be pushed down or pressurized by that he'll he'll play very strongly and i think that's something that i would have liked the likes of vanderdusen to perhaps do a lot more of being a slightly more senior player and i think that is something that's very rare nowadays in good players i won't say the best players obviously like your smiths etc they have that doggedness but for a person like kevin peterson of his skill to play so well it's uh, it's inspiring to see also i i really thought uh, rob would uh, talk about uh, temba because since the very beginning rob oh, has yeah. been a temba fan a bavuma fan and kudos to him for getting that so right he 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 Seems like a man who was determined as soon as the responsibility of the one-day captaincy as was on him. Uh, he ended up, uh, he ended the series with an average above uh, 70, which is... Yeah, I'll take my criticism back. I was the one, I remember, who kind of challenged Rob when Rob was so positive on Temba Babuma, saying his statistics aren't that great. He's played so many test matches. He's averaging something like 32, 33. Uh, Rob gave me some reasons, which I kind of didn't agree with too much about Temba having to bat too much with the tail. But then now, looking at the way he's batted, you saw again that fight. You saw that he had the technique as well. He had the temperament. And he was scoring runs. He wasn't just staying in there. Uh, and um, he had he ended up with uh, the highest uh, batting average for South Africa. So, yeah, well done. I stand corrected. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Uh, honestly, it's been an absolute slog for the last three years defending Timber. But no, he's come, he's come very right. And I agree with you on the ODI captaincy. 
I think that's kind of awakened something in him. But yeah, I was I was impressed by him, but I wasn't surprised by him. So that's why I went with Keegan. Gopal, what about India's uh, selections? What do you think we did right or wrong? So Arjun, you had a lot of faith the last time we did the podcast. Uh, and or even on chat, I was uh, constantly critical about how the selection, what they say and what they do is not consistent. It's not that they disagree with me or, or, or I have a fundamental problem with their selection or uh, there's a mismatch in thinking. It's that they are not uh, consistent with their own theories. And you said, no, 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 they, they have a plan. We just don't, we just can't see it. We have to give them the benefit of doubt. And one of the things that you pointed out too was when I said, uh, uh, why, what kind of message are we sending out to Vihari? He was the incumbent. And we tell him, no, no, don't play test matches at home. Go and play the South Africa AA series because we want you to get used to that conditions. And we're going to pick you there. Uh, and uh, he does there, he goes there, does well. While he sees Shreyas Iyer make a debut, score hundreds, and while our uh, incumbents continue to fail, and then as soon as there's an opportunity, the incumbents just romp back in. Uh, forget yeah. Vihari, forget Iyer. Uh, it, it, there doesn't seem to be a plan. That's my problem. My problem is not whether you pick, pick Vihari or Iyer. I may have an opinion. You may have an opinion. My problem is they are not consistent with their own theories. But we don't know what the theory is. You know, maybe their theory is that we we have given uh, Rahane a challenge and we've, we, we're we going to back him until he fails that challenge or succeeds in that challenge. But we don't know what that challenge is. And maybe that challenge is too low, uh, in which case, yes, it is wrong. And his performances perhaps do not justify his continued selection for so many years. Uh, but we don't, we don't know. So so I when I say I give the benefit of the doubt, you're right, I get the benefit of the doubt because we don't we absolutely have no idea what the discussions are and i have to believe that for a uh, uh, an entity that is as important as the bcci uh, with intelligent people running it even though there may be bureaucracy politics there's still intelligent people who have the the best in their hearts and minds for indian cricket they will make more right decisions than wrong decisions viharis is a very unique case i did give the benefit of the doubt too much to the BCCI in Bihari when he was not selected for the home series against New Zealand. And my point has always been that it makes complete sense for Bihari to be sent to South Africa to play against South Africa A for India A, get his experience over there. And he had a very good series against South Africa A instead of either rotting on the benches or taking somebody else's spot in a series in New Zealand where we don't need a batsman like him at number six. We would rather we go with five bowlers. Let there be a fifth bowler who's a spinner, like an Akshar Patel or someone, and let Vihari play here. So I think until then, all great. The problem was when Vihari was not picked in the first test. Then that showed that that the the there is no real consideration of what Vihari's role is. I would have definitely picked him in that test, and you know the game that he played, he he performed well enough. So he showed that he has the ability to be in that team. In fact, probably yeah, I would have picked him as the only spinner, let's say. Of course, he's not the quality of Ashwin, but Ashwin hasn't had a great series. So you could have had Vihari play that uh, role to just uh, give some respite to the fast bowlers. Um, so that was one mistake I think that India did, not playing Vihari enough. Uh, my main problem here is uh, it's it's not like the intentions of these people are, they have biases which they won't admit to 
and they keep saying they keep hiding behind this idea that we know better than you exactly what you are really doing you are giving them the benefit of doubt and they want you to give them the benefit of doubt so i just wanted to pull out the statistic uh, it's it's not been just one series or one year or so in the last 5 years you have um, uh, rahane uh, who last 5 years he averages 33.6 last 4 years he averages 33.4 last 3 years he averages 34.8 last 2 years he averages 20.24.2 last year he averages 20.2 like and pujara's averages are very very identical but he faces a lot more balls than rahane which in test matches kind of protects given that he is a number 3 batsman he he faces about uh, 30 balls per game more than rahane so in that sense he provides a bit of Uh, protection for the people later on right. so you may say he is useful in that sense but when you have a bench which has players which is pr- who are producing averages of 50 60 uh, in domestic cricket year after year to say that oh we are going to back the experience of arhane and pujara that's why we are not going to give the other guys a chance you are never going to let anybody else uh, build experience are you Uh, so if performance doesn't get you out then you can hide behind experience and if experience doesn't get you out you just come you say it's a gut feel and you have to give us the benefit of doubt that's what yeah. it feels like uh, rob uh, you you had something to say here i think yeah so i was going to talk about just in terms of indian selection um the one thing i i was going to agree with arjun on was the this persistence of playing a like spinning or rounding the way that like he's a bowling or bowler who's a spin bowler but he can carry the bat and Ashwin for India and Maharaj for South Africa I feel like both teams kind of made the mistake there where realistically you could have gone with someone like for South Africa Aidan Markram has shown that he can bowl good enough spin in ODI so if you need to give your fast bowlers a break he can he can turn the arm over and i think yeah vihari could have done the same job while shoring up the batting a little bit more than what the what maharaj and ashwin did i think that was kind of the the one selection i felt both teams got it wrong on um but otherwise yeah i think uh i i yeah i think that was the main point i wanted to make yeah my second selection uh, i guess blunder that india made Uh, unless there is something that we don't know is that ishant sharma did not play a single game now ishant sharma we all hold him highly he's really performed well in the last 3 years very very well but you know umesh yadav played ahead of him siraj played ahead of him shardul thakur played ahead of him as kind of that all rounder thing even though his batting was was terrible this series so i i feel that having a third fast bowler which would have been ishant sharma backing up Shami and Bumrah would have put so much pressure on the South Africans. Now it's, I guess we were lucky in some ways that Shardul Thakur had a great series with the ball, but if that would not have happened, then we would have struggled even more to get any breakthroughs. So I think I, I don't know what this means for Ishan Sharma if he can't get a game in South Africa with uh, Shardul and Siraj and Umesh being the backup. Then it looks like the end of the line for him. Yeah. i i get both your <coughs> both your points but i still can't get beyond the fact that our batting failed like uh, we had a potent enough bowling attack to cause trouble even with the let's say i agree that uh, 
in hindsight vihari would have been better than ashwin given ashwin was bowling two over and three over spells so that's not nearly enough for a spinner to really get into groove and pick up wickets uh, but maybe there was nothing in the pitch so i agree that vihari would have been a better pick in place of ashwin but we wouldn't have been debating that if uh, all three of our middle order batsmen did not fail consistently and they've done so for a, for a while now like stuart broad put it if you don't score 300 or 400 uh, you're not going to win test matches agreed agreed yeah, yeah. hopefully hopefully we see a change soon i i i'll agree with that point one quick question before we move on that i had is is rishabh pant still the go to man in the tests when your top order are crumbling like that why why not <laughs> i mean he he seems to be like the the person who's actually uh counter attacking and succeeding more often than not uh which somebody else who had less skilled than rishabh pant and maybe a temperament of um, you know defensive temperament would not be able to do that i mean he scored one of the great test match centuries of the last few years in this series so yeah i think rishabh pant is definitely the guy unless you're being sarcastic and referring back to our first uh, episode about rishabh pant and all the controversy around his selection no i was i was genuinely asking i know he had the one great great 100 but i was just genuinely wondering if there was still an idea that if your top orders failing is it can you risk having Rishabh Pant to yes can play those 100 100 uh match innings but also could very easily get caught in three balls and then you exposing the tail but i i was just asked the question that was pretty well answered thank you sadhi i think on on rishabh pant the only problem like uh, nobody in india is doubting his position anymore but the only Hopefully. problem or question mark that i have is uh, you know when kohli uh, got his big 100 against sri lanka in, uh, in 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 some 80 balls like that was a turning point in the kohli determined suddenly he was a different guy he would be way more consistent before that and after that similarly for tendulkar uh once he started opening is a completely different batsman before and after there doesn't seem to be that marked change in um, in pant because second test for example he got out in a very silly way that you expect pant to get out uh, when he was being heavily criticized and the century that he got he didn't change much but he but he, he just took a few more balls to get used to it and then he still went for it but it there was a more measured attack one would have thought that uh, there'd be i was expecting to see some change which is not very obvious uh, that's the only observation i'll make on uh, on pant now we're going to talk about kohli if i could and just to get both of your thoughts on his tenure as a captain and where india goes from now as as a as a team so i i must say that the stumps were quite uh, rude to kohli <laughs> i mean just uh, getting themselves dislodged just staring at him all the time when he is batting relentless relentless i mean finally he had to give it to the stumps didn't he <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think um i think in terms of in terms of kohli like i i i know i've said this before but he I I feel like he the captaincy helped his batting more than like his captaincy 
I think this is going to sound very, very harsh, but in the last couple, I would say, I'll prefix this rather. In the last two years, his captaincy has kind of helped his batting more than like it's helped the team because I feel like they got into a position where they were so used to winning that they really struggled to build momentum back when they were on the back foot. And when they were struggling to build that momentum, that's when you get the super sport comments and all these kind of extra comments that just show a team under pressure rather than trying to trying to swing the momentum back to uh, Indians uh, India's favor. And like I said, I know that sounds harsh, but that was just my opinion. And I kind of hope that they can keep the edge that Kohli brought them, but without that bit of petulance when things weren't going their way. Yeah, see that that's part and parcel when you talk about Kohli, right? There's that edge, there's that petulance, there's uh, an aggression that comes into the whole team through him everyone kind of copies him right i mean look look at his beard everyone has a beard now in the last 5 years just because kohli's got a beard it's it's kohli's spirit is infectious in the team i feel um i think uh, you know you spoke about kind of spoke about results as well the the dominating positions that india gets into in test matches in the last few years is very largely because of kohli so it's his captaincy that is affecting positively the team I feel, and that starts from selection uh, to on the field uh, decisions uh, and to the mentality that he's brought into the players. Uh, very clearly, the biggest positive change that we've seen during his tenure in the last seven years has been India's bowling lineup. Um, I think Gopal, you shared some stats with me about how good India's bowling lineup has fared in terms of getting 20 wickets, which very rarely used to happen before this. And he's been able to up that frequency, which is what actually converts a lot of his draws into wins, uh, which will, which I think will be a legacy that will live on for Virat Kohli for a very, very long time. I agree. This idea that uh, we need uh, to go into test matches with five bowlers, come what may, and he said made that announcement as soon as he took over. It was uh, it was him announcing to the world that uh, India is here to win test matches. India is not here to. Uh, rely on our fabled batting lineups uh, to save games, uh, which has been a revelation. So, Root, he's, you you can poke holes at minor things about how he's handled a few fast bowlers, but overall, um, uh, he, he, Ishan Sharma, before Kohli and after Kohli, uh, okay. his average drops by about 15, 15 runs per wicket. Um, uh, then a similar thing with uh, even Umesh. Uh, so Umesh was not barely used before um, uh, before Kohli, and then Kohli also kind of has a view of Umesh, which is not very consistent. But Umesh also performed as, at his best under Kohli. Uh, Bumra obviously has been protected in India, has been and used only abroad, uh, and has become kind of a spearhead of this attack. Shami is a different bowler under Kohli. So this idea that uh, you bowlers win your matches, coming from a batting captain uh, who wanted to dominate, has been uh, a very big re- revelation. And that's, I think, something that uh, Indian cricket will uh, look fondly back on. If, if this... Yeah, and if he's bringing these results again and again, then what he does off the field or even on the field between overs, like talking to the stump microphone or saying something stupid on Twitter... Um, when he doesn't need to coming up with announcements before the BCCI does, I think that's all uh, minor 
you know it's it it creates a stir yes you know it also gives us as fans something to talk about but it doesn't matter at the end of the day as much because he's getting us wins and that's what we want and we crave for and then now we're i think we're we as indian fans are going to be spoiled and we would hope that the next uh, test captain will continue with that who is going to be the next test captain I, actually actually on on this let me put something on on uh, rob uh, something controversial on rob rob uh, within india even the the, the most uh, fierce critic of kohli would say he's not like an australian who goes and uh, abuses the opposition it's all about word it's always usually righteous anger as some people would call it and even against super sport it was not directed against the opposition is that how you guys also see kohli uh is a different kind of sledger than uh, an australian uh, ugly australian kind of uh, sledging i would i would tend to agree in terms of australian um yeah i would say you would much rather take uh take the verbals off of coley but at the same time i do think coley is uh, has overstepped a number of times but obviously nowhere near as bad as as the australians so yeah he's definitely he's definitely not on that kind of level um i will say that some of his antics i feel like in the last little bit have gone further than they used to and i think it's because he hasn't had the same kind of uh treatment that you would potentially get from a bangladesh or a south african uh captain doing the same doing the same thing not to say what he did was wrong but i think the way it's been handled afterwards a lot of the time has been a little bit more lenient than need be but yeah overall i would i would agree with with the statement that he's not as bad as like your prime michael clarks who were just nasty um with no real idea of getting in the batsman's head with that i think uh, rohit sharma should be our next uh, test captain has to be him right at least for the next 2 uh, years until this world test championship cycle is finished and then that means that he will take care of the team for uh, the two odi tournaments as well the t20 world cup which will happen this year i think right this year is the t20 yeah. world cup in australia and then the odi world cup after that so it makes sense uh, it, it may be a transitionary period with the transitional captain uh, rohit sharma is older than virat kohli so of course it's not a long term thing but i don't know yet who that long term person will be i guess after a year or two we'll know who that is if it's kl rahul who's uh, who seems to be blooded for that position but in test matches for now his position isn't um, very solid uh, ultimately it is shubman's gill or was shubman gill's position and before that prithvi shaw's position um, or if it's going to be someone else like rishabh pant we'll have to see I think I'll be happy to see Rishabh Pant have a go uh, because uh, maybe it'll it'll work this in the same way as it did on uh, Temba and uh, we are we are kind of blooding in uh, somebody or or Graham Smith for that matter. Uh, many people called him a bit arrogant, bit uh, immature, but uh, as soon as he was given that captaincy, suddenly rallied the entire troops around. Um, or, or even ms dhoni right ms dhoni was yeah. was young when he became test captain he didn't have that that kind of uh, polished uh, style that the last few captains of india had uh, and it was an odd choice at that time but then of course it became one of the he became one of the best captains we've had so uh, actually this is again a question to rob because you alluded to this do you think 
picking the right captain uh, like sets the right tone and suddenly the team's performance uh, improves dramatically or the captain is as good as his strategies on the field and everything else is kind of uh, uh, the infrastructure behind and the coaches behind and uh, everything else is immaterial. Let's say. I think out of every single sport that has a captain, uh, cricket is 100% where the captain is the most influential person on the field by a long way. I think uh, in in terms of the impetus that a captain can bring, you just look at the way Kohli changed, um, changed India from a batting team who went into every game looking to not lose to now going in with with we're we're gonna win. I don't I don't care what how we do it. We're winning this game, and I think that yeah, a lot of a, a lot of the impetus in a in a cricket team comes through the captain. So having the right person there is very very important. But at the same time, not everyone needs to captain like Kohli. So I think you realistically need to be looking at someone who will bring in the impetus that Kohli did but in their own way. And I think Rishabh Pant is 100% a very good shout. Okay. Well, we'll see that there's still time. Um, I wanted to talk about something that I've noticed in the ODI series that's that's going on. You know, India, um, India just lost the second test, ma- second ODI right now. And Rob, what is Aidan Markram's role really? Because he's bowling so much. He's kind of batting, but I don't see him really as a mainstay batsman usually so what is he what do you think he should be doing right now so what i think he should be doing right now is realistically focusing on his batting because i just don't think that has been up to par in the last year or so but at the same time i feel like he's filling out a bit of a joe root role coming in at number four filling in with the bowling when needed um and yeah, I, he's kind of playing as a bit of a batting all-rounder. I would personally prefer if we left our bowling to the five bowlers that we normally pick and let Aiden get on with his batting. But he's been successful against India, so who am I to criticize, honestly? But yeah, I think personally I would prefer him to be just a batsman. Also, how brilliant was it to bring him on? And it really changed the tempo of the game. In, in in both ODS, I, I think uh, I'm I'm getting more and more uh, on board with Temba as captain as a brilliant tactician actually. So uh, I was very impressed with his press conferences when QDK incident happened during the World Cup. Uh, he stood by his player. He said, "I'm not going to speak against him." Very very sport statesman like. And now on the field with his changes and strategy, uh, this this guy is uh, is the real deal. Okay, Gopal, do you think Venkatesh Iyer is also the real deal in in ODIs outside of uh, our subcontinent? Uh, Venkatesh Iyer, uh, I mean, it's too early to comment on him. No, I think he got. Uh, so I, I, I'm being very uncharitable here, but I think he had a good IPL season. He had decent domestic stats, and uh, we got uh, greedy with the fact that he can bowl, and we blooded him in. Uh, I mean, we have to see a lot more of him, no? Before we comment. I mean, so we've always had this um, absence of a finisher. Uh, if Shreya Sayer takes over number four role, we still need a number six. We've not had one since Kedar Jadav, really, uh, many years ago. 
uh, and if Venkatesh Iyer takes that position, then you're right. I've, we've not seen as much from him yet. Maybe in T20s we will, but not yet in in one dayers. But uh, I, I can't think of a name that is more more appropriate than him. I mean, yes, Surikumar Yadav or Ishan Kishan could fit in, but then the problem is that the top six don't bowl. Nobody bowls, and then you need to have that sixth bowler in case something goes wrong, which you don't have. And then your bowlers don't bat well. So we're missing, we're really missing a lot of middling all-rounders, kind of uh, a batsman who bats very well and bowls a little bit, like a Yuvraj or Sehwag or Sachin or Ganguly. Or Ayana, who played uh, Mm. 300 ODIs for us (laughs) and bowled in about 150 of them. Yeah. and uh, I think that, that's what, when, when we looked at Pakistan team during the World Cup, that's the thing that stood out saying, oh, they have uh, these two veterans who can come and bowl really well, Hafiz and, uh, and Malik. And then uh, when you look at uh, the South African team, suddenly with uh, Aidan Makram being a very handy yep. bowler and Andile Fekulwayo also becoming uh, a genuine all-rounder, who can do that finishing role? Suddenly, uh, if you if you forget form and you just look at uh, on paper, uh, South Africa is is a fantastic all-round team. I don't know why uh, uh, we thought this series would go any other way, because uh, South Africa on paper seemed very well-rounded. Yeah, well, in my mind, I always think of South Africa as a team of all-rounders, right from the Jack Callises to the Vernon Philanders who can hit a little bit um, or stick in a little bit, depending on how you see it. Uh, and of course, all the Sean Pollocks and all. So, um, speaking of one dayers, you know, I've uh, I've come to think of one dayers now as a tertiary form of the game. Uh, at least in the long term, I feel it will become the tertiary form of the game. And uh, someone had shared the ODI team of the year, and I was looking at their ODI team. And it struck me that that ODI team had players from Pakistan, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and Ireland. But nobody from England, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and also no one from West Indies, Zimbabwe, Afghanistan. So what when I saw that, to me, it kind of sensed that, I mean, I got the sense that there are three divisions or three tiers of test match nations where the top four of them England, Australia, India and New Zealand really focus on test matches and then the rest of them are expanding their focus away from test matches but focusing on the second tier sport which is ODI and I I don't know why that is happening and I I feel quite I feel it's quite strange that there's this uh, boxing of nations and forms of cricket that's happening what do you guys think about that? I I think uh... Nobody's really crying for ODIs, right? At least in the uh, test matches, there are purists and there are people who are crying about its death and its demise and there's a little bit of fanfare. So, uh, and, and the people running the sport, at least in the, in the big three and elsewhere, uh, have some of those old school chops uh, that they want to keep test cricket going. And uh, that's where Test cricket is going. Otherwise, uh, T20 would have completely dominated and taken over world sport. It's it's because of people's effort. Uh, call it a bit undemocratic, 
the reason why people like us are able to enjoy test cricket because otherwise there's a winner take all kind of attitude when it comes to commerce and sport and t20 would have taken over even though there's a market for the other two and i think there's nobody really fighting for odi cricket that's that's till till there's a world cup there's no relevance yeah i think the i think the problem comes in with broadcasters really cuz broadcasters are the ones who give you the money and money is how we're going to keep cricket alive and realistically you look at um you look at test matches uh being uh, test matches gone past recently the india south africa one and it had everyone gripped for every day that was that that it was on um and i just uh but even then it's still dying out in terms of broadcasting whereas t20 you always see 20 t20s going on there's ipl uh boom uh the big bash league the pakistan <laughs> super league um all these all these different t20 leagues going on around the world that are always on and i just feel like it's kind of saturating the market for cricket and odi is the one that's sadly getting left behind a little bit and i have to agree with gopal it's mostly because no one's really pushing for it yeah i i i agree with you except the sentiment you know rob so i agree that it's being odi is being left behind but i would remove from my, if i were to say that i would remove the word sadly i think i would say odi is are thankfully being left behind because i think that will create so much space for focus on two forms of cricket which are really the way forward one is about the expansion fun and the other is about purism and and strength uh, and, and then and then hopefully all teams will focus fairly equally on both formats all test teams will focus fairly equally on both formats i think that's the way hopefully the the game goes do you think having odi cricket is a distraction for test teams 100% is is unnecessary the only the only reason odi cricket should still exist is because the world cup the odi 50 over world cup is still one of the premier events in in cricket and if it weren't for that then odis would be absolutely meaningless especially bilaterals we don't even have any tri series odis nowadays but uh, the the challenge of the odi game is it's completely different to either test matches or t20 cricket in my opinion there there is a it's a it's a completely different challenge it's a completely different sport it's not uh, oh, it's different it, i won't say it's completely different how is it completely because then you could say that five uh, over cricket is different or you could say that playing pairs cricket is different or playing boom boom cricket or something else of course there's different things but i mean i i think we should focus on some of them and really expand them and really have good tournaments and statistics and and league systems for them no so so the, the reason i say completely different is you uh, west indies in the middle till other people caught up uh, uh, in t20 if you catch someone by surprise with one strategy you can run over the entire tournament with that kind of strategy it's difficult to hide in odi cricket it's most difficult to hide in test cricket at the same time in odi cricket you there is a bit of urgency you can't really uh, play out a good spell and then hope things change for the better like some and uh, an easy session is around the corner like you have in test cricket so i i that's what i mean by the challenge it's almost like uh, it's the most difficult format to play um as a captain as a bat, uh, as a batsman as a bowler it's 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 uh, 
according to me if you if you played the same number of days it's more challenging uh, to play odi a calendar of odi cricket than a calendar of test cricket yeah it would be i think the one thing that i'll just say my only point on this is that i will agree that i feel like odis are um not necessary anymore i feel like specifically odis where it's internationals but i don't want to see 50 over cricket go i still want to have your county level c- cricket and most specifically i want to have the under 19 cricket world cup still as a 50 over game because i feel like it gives you a nice little balance between t20 and and test match cricket for young players to really showcase that they can do both well, it's not on an international level in terms of county cricket, whereas if you keep the under-19 World Cup as a 50-over game, you get youngsters with the, with an opportunity to prove themselves at an international level. Uh, so, yes, I would maybe like to see a bit of a phase-out of the ODIs, but in terms of 50-overs, I, I still want to see that going on. Yep, and that under-19 World Cup is going on, you know, as we speak. And it's happening in the Caribbean, so I'm looking forward to... Now, Ian Bishop popping up with his uh, analysis on all the youngsters later on. So, uh, and uh, just to remind, uh, just to remind ourselves, uh, when we didn't place record, uh, Gopal predicted the series result on the ODI would be 2-0 to uh, South Africa at this time. Oh, come <laughs> on. So, yeah. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, boys. That's all for today, folks. Wherever you are in the world, have a great day, night, or commute, and stay safe. Remember, cricket is the winner.